The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Josh and Tammy. But I had a choice to make. Am I going to just split because this hurts? Um, Or am I going to stay? And what I found was that there was something powerful about the kind of intimacy that Tammy and I shared um, that I couldn't that that was very special to me and I didn't want to lose it. So I made the mindful choice to try to work through the discomfort that this caused in order to keep this intimate relationship. And what happened was in sitting with discomfort, I began to become, that became a muscle that I exercised and it, it demystified the idea of sitting with emotional pain for me in a way. And it sort of took the stuffing out of this old blocking dynamic that had, um, that had sort of dogged me since childhood. So I was so glad to stay in touch with this couple who are now going by their real names, Josh and Tammy, rather than their pseudonyms. In the early episode, Eroticize Your Jealousy, they're quite stunning, brilliant, and wise. That was one of our most popular episodes early on, you know. Yeah, so you will learn so much about relationships from this. You are really in for a surprise. Let's hear it from Josh and Tammy. Welcome back to the Open Nesters podcast. You were with us as Thea and Kurt with pseudonyms as an eroticize your jealousy episode and our first 10 of the Open Nesters. And now you are back in full color and with your names and we'll discuss why. Um, Tammy and Josh, welcome. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast for the second time. We can, I personally really need to hear where, how much, how far have you gotten with your relationship? But uh, Tessa will continue to ask about that. Well, that, the, well let's, let's start there. I mean, your relationship has evolved. And if someone wants to hear part one about how you met and some of the during almost non-sexual part during COVID, I know. Yeah, the first six months. <laughs> right. Yeah, the six months at the mm-hmm. beginning. And mm-hmm. so I want to hear how now things have opened up as you're opening up and kind of where you've come to at this stage of, of, of uh, coming out to your kids and all the other things that you've mentioned when we chatted. Mm-hmm. I'll let Tammy start. Yeah, I uh, well, as you might remember when we did the first episode, I was getting ready to move. I knew I was moving to South Carolina. Um, so I did I move to South Carolina in the beginning of Janu- January 2021. And, uh, and that's been an experience. Um, it's been good. You know, most I, it's a beautiful part of the country. I'm in the upstate Um but uh, it's been a big transition too, and 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 Josh and I were pretty sanguine about being able to maintain our relationship, especially since we started out not distanced but sequestered, you know, from for the whole first six months. But it it certainly it certainly was it certainly was an adjustment. But but well, we're still. Do you here. have any tips for long distance relationships to keep them hot? <sighs> well, so that's that's the challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, well, long if 
being non-monogamous is, is one of the best ways to do long distance relationships. I would never attempt to do one not that way. Um, so I don't have any tips for our uh, monogamous listeners who are trying to do long distance relationships. <laughs> but um, I think um, that's one of the things that monogamy, non-monogamy gives you a, um, I don't know, a, a Flexibility. flexibility. So have you been able to date down there and, and it's, a, it's a different world as uh, being mm-hmm. at this stage of your life? Because you got to, you know, to read to date again mm-hmm. while you're poly and you've decided this and mm-hmm. with all the discussion that goes with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, uh, I did. It was a big, uh, I was not very optimistic about finding people who were of a similar persuasion down here. Um, and it took a little while Um to find the community uh, to find the community yeah though i i have i have found some community and i have found uh um there's more than i expected it's a little different flavor but um but i wasn't ever really part of a big like polyamorous community or hadn't gone to meetups or something like that i've been sort of a solo operator um but I did, you know, I did. Um, but the first few months here were, um, were kind of, um, you know, just settling in, getting to know a new place, getting, um, and then it would March. I had moved here in January, beginning of March. I found out a, a friend and a former part, a partner had died very unexpectedly. Um, someone who I'd spent a lot of time with at the very end of the year before I moved um, that Josh was a big part of that. We mentioned, we mentioned him in the previous podcast. And so that was a big shock. And so that was um, a big grieving process to go through, um, which Josh was a big emotional support (laughs) during that. And he was a really big emotional support when I moved down here, um, just being kind of disconnected from everybody. So um, along with other friends. Well, Josh, if you went, yeah, when when uh, when Tammy moved, um, I, uh, um, I I started to let go because I always let people go when when this is a pattern that's I've had most of my life when when uh, things aren't uh, live, when they're not fully functioning, I let them go. And uh, she was moving away. And to me, that just meant distance and distance meant difficulty. And I began to let her go. But then when this friend of hers died, I um, I, I I really felt. Um, a great deal of compassion for Tammy and a great deal of, of need to be there for her. And, and what happened was more intimacy that the thing that we had always done where we spoke honestly, where we, we really um, sat with discomfort together, where we, we talked about interior, our interior lives that um, that was meaningful and it really filled the space. And, and it, it, it made me feel very emotionally invested in a way that I hadn't been prepared that I was going to feel. Um, and, um, but then, you know, um, as Tammy began to explore her life down there and she, and she met somebody, somebody who, um, who we couldn't play the eroticization of jealousy game with because, um, because this person um, um, brought us the ideas of a relationship anarchy. Uh, not that they're a relationship anarchist themselves. It's just that they're exploring those ideas and very articulate about those ideas. And uh, the eroticization of jealousy game um, sort of presupposes a hierarchy. It presupposes a kind of primariness where 
I know we didn't discuss this in advance. You may not, you might not even even agree agree with you. Let me explain, explain that. So, so let's at least review the eroticization of jealousy game. I never heard you call it a game. So what's, uh, what's considered to be anarchy? Well, I, I know. Really. Uh, so first start with a, what last episode we talked about eroticizing your jealousy when mm-hmm. Tammy was going out. It was almost like getting excited about watching mm-hmm. her go out. I remember that was. But what is the right. game, quote unquote, that you're calling? Because I, well, I, I don't guess since I guess that's something we maybe have added to it or talked about it more like that more recently. But um, I guess it was something it felt like to me because the first time that happened was when um when, you know, he and I weren't able to get together because of various, you know, getting tested and and various hurdles because of COVID. But I was very pent up. And so I was looking for, you know, I was looking for that kind of sexual release experience. And but we kind of, it's almost like we did it together. It's like, you know, we were looking for me to get that thing, right? So it's so like we sort of played it together from the beginning. And that's why we've sort of come to refer to it as kind of a game. Um, not only was it a like it was just it was fun for both of us. Like it it umped the ante, it, you know, it made it much more um heated for me and to be telling him about it, but also for him as he was, you know, as he was experiencing the anticipation and the tension and the and, and getting to hear about interior details that are yeah. usually kept hidden. Yeah. And that okay, go. Yeah. So that was so that was different. And that was um but even when I had started to um, reconnect with my friend who died in March, um, Josh was very much a part of that, even though I wouldn't say that had as much of the eroticization, but he was very much a process, part of the me being able to reconnect with that person. I wouldn't have been able to do that if, um, if Josh and I hadn't had the kind of relationship we did, um, a very emotionally connected relationship, and would have somebody to to talk with about it and just sort of, because it had been a very problematic relationship before and it was difficult. And I was stepping back into it to see if I could do it differently, if I could approach it differently. And he was really, he was my partner in that. Like we were kind of figuring it out together. He was helping me. Those, both of those things had this joint effort sense to them. But when I started dating here, when I found it didn't have Maybe the first couple of people I went out it with did. It, did, it, it did in the first part. And, and first I started couple, to yeah. I started to assume that um, that basically any man that that Tammy met wasn't going to have the kind of emotional connection that I had with her. And part of that was just Yankee. I didn't think that was going to happen either. <laughs> part of that's my Yankee jingoism. I couldn't imagine that there would be Southern men who would have that kind of emotional literacy. Ooh, bad. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of admitting that. And I acknowledge that that wasn't based on reality, but that was a feeling. I had that I was special and that there wasn't going to be anyone who could who could connect with Tammy on that level. But I was wrong. And um, and Tammy did meet somebody who could connect on that level. And uh, and and, and bring up jealousy. Oh, yeah, it definitely brought up jealousy. Mm-hmm. So and it was jealousy that I couldn't eroticize. Right. So that's what I want to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. So so I had to make a choice. Um, and my usual mode is, oh, OK, this hurts. So what do I do with pain? I flee. And this is this is something that I had learned very early in life. Um, my mother was terminally ill when I was a small child and she died shortly after my eighth birthday. And I um, and I braced myself to not feel the pain. I was afraid of feeling pain. And I found a, a way of withdrawing 
that um, that left me a little bit less connected and quicker to drop emotional connections to avoid pain. But it also caused no end of other problems for me. And I think the term for that, and it's a term that you guys have encountered on your show before, um, is insecure attachment. Oh, so attachment, right? So I began to manifest the, the 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 usual things around insecure attachment in connection with the jealousy of Tammy. And I just happened to be reading Polysecure at that time. <laughs> How weird. Um, it and, wasn't planned, but it was fortuitous. Yeah. And Tammy, you know, helped me understand in a very hands-off way. She sort of steered me towards some resources that helped me deal with the anxiety of it. But I had a choice to make. Am I going to just split because this hurts? Um, or am I going to stay? And what I found was that there was something powerful about the kind of intimacy that Tammy and I shared um, that I couldn't, that, that was very special to me. And I didn't want to lose it. So I made the mindful choice to try to work through the discomfort that this caused in order to keep this intimate relationship. And what happened was in sitting with discomfort, I began to become, that became a muscle that I exercised. And it, it demystified the idea of sitting with emotional pain for me in a way. And it sort of took the stuffing out of this old blocking dynamic that had um, that had sort of dogged me since childhood. And it led me to be able to, um, I think, make some real progress in terms of dealing with my um, insecure attachment um, and also to understand better this, this, this type of stuckness that was keeping me from doing a lot of things in my life um, because of fear of emotional discomfort and uh, in showing me that it's not the end of the world to have to sit with something that hurts a little bit. It, it really uh, taught me a visceral physical lesson that I needed to learn. Wow. I'm, I'm what a powerful statement. Powerful statement. And we appreciate your vulnerability because the, the openness and um, uh, Tammy, you're a lucky woman to have a guy like this uh, watching over you and being a true friend and a lover. I mean, I'm impressed with what you just said, because here you are. You are the official and, and only really beneficiary of the growth that you have experienced by growing this muscle of feeling the pain and doing it anyway, rather than fleeing. And Actually, you are the cool thing is that I have I'm not the only beneficiary. I mean, I'm I'm one of the biggest beneficiaries. Um, but uh it's been a really wonderful process to go through. And it I've had to I've had to learn to sit with some discomfort too. I've had to break some some relational habits of um I had to I had to sit with my discomfort with his discomfort and not try to make it better. Like to not hide the um, what I was going through and and how and good it was, feelings. my true feelings, feelings. Yep. my you know how good things really were um, between me and Andy, and uh, but also and also not to pull away and um, and also to let him have the feelings he was having without trying to. Mm, <laughs> reassure or try to make him and that's what reading some around reading some of the things around attachment it sort of really made me realize that i there was no way i could help him feel secure he was going to be secure in our relationship 
when he, if he chose to sit with that, but also when he just saw over time that I was still there, but there was nothing I could do to tell him that was going to make him feel better. You can't make somebody, you can't reassure, you know, you can't some make someone mm-hmm. feel secure. It's never enough. Right. And, um, but he did that. And I just never, I haven't been in very many, it's, it's the thing I was craving. I wanted somebody to grow and expand and with me, and he did, you know, and it's like he. Is well, we do of, that so deeply because yeah. of discomfort and growth when we mm-hmm. have, when we don't know and we don't know how to operate yeah. and we let our body and our emotions, you know, guide us and in in your heart and the fact that you read so much and also not got out of your head about it. We just had an episode for a mother daughter and how we can't even help and reassure and fix our kids. So the bottom line is, so I want to get to the kids section anyway, as a transition is that we can't, we can't really, as they become adults, especially mm-hmm. there's no fixing. And the better we can do is by asking them if we can just listen and how we can show up. Mm-hmm. And you're, le- and we learn that as a nuance, as part of our development, we never arrive. Mm-hmm. And so all the pressure we put on ourselves to be perfect in a relationship is impossible anyway. Yeah. And you're just telling us how that you're just working with it and dancing with it. And I so value that. I really mm-hmm. do. Absolutely. I mean, did you, does that, that growth is, I mean, you were court, uh, Kurt and Thea on the original episode, and now you don't mind coming up with your real name, Josh and mm-hmm. Tammy. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? Why, why are you comfortable today not going with synonyms? Well, for me, the big one is I came out to my family. Um, I came out to my go? children. Tell us how that went. Yeah. It went fine. My kids, honestly, weren't surprised, didn't seem to notice or care. Um, but I also told my ex, um, who the mother of my children, and uh, she was bemused. Um, I, I had been putting it off because I was afraid it might appear in some potential legal proceedings. We'll see if that ever happens. But in the meantime, I feel better. I've, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not hiding anything. I feel like I'm, um, I'm able to just be myself and living uh, authentic life. Right. Um, Tammy, go. She has another. Yeah, I was, I was already, um, you know, I'd already told my older kid, three older kids, adult kids about uh, my non-monogamy and they knew that Um, since then. uh, And I've had a chance to talk to with my youngest about that. Now, I don't think he still has a lot of a peg to hang it on. We're still, you know, learning about all of that stuff, you know, Um, but, and the conversations are, you know, few and far between. But they're all adult kids, right? I mean, they no, are... I, have, well, I have three adult kids and then I have a 14 year old. So the 14 year old is aware of that. But um, but like I said, that's that's in a, in a continually evolving discussion because he's still figuring out, you know, his own his own stuff. So well, I was um, going to ask you about this relationship anarchy, because I've heard the term and I'm in I, I follow some of the groups and I know the distinction, but most people will have no idea what that is. So mm-hmm. why don't you help us say how, how you're going toward that and what do you see as productive in what you've learned through that kind of different mm-hmm. labeling, even though we have to unlabel it. I feel like there's a labeling here that we're trying to. Yeah, there's, a, there's a useful um, there's something useful about describing it. Right. Yeah. You have to, you have to label it to talk about it. Right. <laughs> To me, that some of the um, key points that have influenced me have been just, it's a little bit more egalitarian around across all relationships that and it doesn't prioritize romantic relationships. So um, that, you know, why don't we look for in our 
friendships of any connection, you know, we, we need those deep connections. Not that also, not that you're going to invest as much in every, every friendship, but we do tend to, in our culture, prioritize romantic or sexual relationships, but particularly romantic, I think, because people, I think people have an easier time thinking about casual sex, but they have a hard time thinking about romantic, not making, becoming something that's prioritized or hierarchized or protected. And so that's been one of the big areas for me of just like really um, pouring into some of my good friendships, whether they have sex or not, like sex is just a piece of it. Like sex is a piece of a relationship and romantic feelings are a piece of a relationship and living together is a piece, you know, and this is a really important facet of, of to, to, in my understanding, my baby brand new to beginning to read about it, understanding is that, that the ninth tenet is this idea that rather than the escalator scripts assumption that when you have, uh, uh, you know, your big one romantic relationship, it's going to come with sex and emotional intimacy and, and real estate and, you know, commenting your finances and a whole bunch of other things that in relationship anarchy, you negotiate each of those individually and you're able to have uh, the types of relationships with people that mm-hmm. you choose and you get to renegotiate it as you choose. So that, that breaking up of these aspects enabled me to say, have deep emotional commitment um, to Tammy while some of the other components that would normal, normally go along with it, like cohabitation and, um, and many other things, including even the, the, the role of sex, um, get to be negotiated in other ways. And so one of the ways that I sort of survived this tumult of jealousy was to de-emphasize the sexual in our relationship because I'm hundreds of miles away and it just, it, you know, and there's somebody else and it, it was painful to try to stand in and duke it out. And so um, it was, it was, and, 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 well, and relationship energy gave me a language and a framework. Because it's not like, it's not like that energy went away. Like, it's not like it went away and it's an important part of our dynamic, but, but um, relationship energy gave me a language and a framework for being able to say, these aspects are vital to me and it's okay that you and I have these aspects we don't have some of these other aspects. This has always been true. And in, in, in our in our earlier um, interview, I believe we said we had a, a relationship in miniature that was exquisite the because bowl. of its limitations. The and I think we called it the bonsai bowl, right? Which is an unfortunate term. And, and relationship anarchy gives a different language for understanding it. We have very rich and full buy-in on certain relationship attributes without others, which is a core idea of relationship anarchy. It gives a theoretical framework for us to hang this, this new type of new to me anyway, type of relationship. But you still on. said you and, had deep uh, emotional commitment. And, so I'm still curious what that really means. Like, I, cause I don't understand relationship anarchy. Well, so for me, a, a primary and we interviewed open monogamy people that the monogamy is primary. And I, I, I mean, I understand the concept of relationship anarchy, mm-hmm. but if you're saying you have a deep emotional commitment to Tammy, does it not mean that you look at a future together or is it very much only negotiated time moment by moment? How does that kind of play well, out? Well, we look ahead as a future together. If I, if I get too off track, Josh will ran back in. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we look forward to a future together, we don't make assumptions about what that future will look like. We can count on each other. We learn to trust each other with our emotions. It's just, it's, it's deconstructing what commitment looks like, right? 
how, how do you show commitment in a relationship? You show up and being authentic and honest. That's a big commitment. I don't, you know, um, and to the level that we do it, that's a big commitment. You know, I was, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the book, Big Friendship by Amanatu So and, um, and um, Friedman. Anyway, they, I just, they, they went to therapy for, they have a podcast. It's called Big Friendship. But anyway, they went to therapy for their friendship. You know, they have a platonic friendship. They went to therapy to save their friendship. And I'm like, I like, I would go to therapy. You know, what are the relationships I would go to therapy to save? That's commitment. You know, like that's what commitment is. And that's one way to do commitment. I mean, another way to commitment it to do, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm losing examples. Josh, help me out here. Um, (laughs) Well, here I'll get, I'll get, I'll get, take it back to this example. Um, It, it, uh, it, uh, Tammy and I made a commitment to stay together, even though it was awkward, awkward and difficult for us to work through the discomfort. We kept leaning into the relationship. We kept, yeah. and what we found is that we came through, we didn't gloss over, ignore, or pretend that this discomfort didn't exist. We sat with it. We worked, we worked through it. And what came through on the far side of it was the sense that we were stronger, that the connection between us had grown stronger for having been tested and for having us both chosen to value it above the momentary comfort of walking away. So Does that answer your I question, think that, that, about what the, what the emotional... And we've had other episodes about kind of the distinction between commitment and obligation. And mm-hmm. I really think that that was a really interesting distinction that we're making here. And, and just deconstructing what people believe is the only way. And, and you're just breaking those doors wide open like you did even last time. And I, and I so value you for that. If you like this episode, you'll also love other episodes on our website under the Listen tab. Scroll down to our Sex, Love, and Alternative Relationships category. I mean, I'm getting that Josh came out to his uh, family and it was easier than he thought. How about you, Tammy? When you came out to your family, how was that process that you came out and you were in this type of relationship? How did they... I didn't get any big pushback for my, you know, my older kids. Um, um, My oldest is probably the one who um, is maybe least in agreement is the word, but I mean, I, I was so um, there's, there's lots of things we disagree on philosophically, but we still have managed to, to um, we're both committed. That's another kind of commitment to like, finding the common ground and being, and, and he's leaned at me into that as much as I have, you know, um, my oldest. And then um, my second is he was sort of like, Oh, Hey, that's great. That's wonderful. I mean, and my um, third, my daughter is, um, you know, she, she's in a more monogamous relationship herself, but she's totally fine and understands why I do what I do. And then with the youngest, it's, um, you know, like I said, we're still, <laughs> He's still figuring stuff out. So um, it's just, I get to ask a lot of good questions. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean when you, what do you, mean when you like somebody, you know? That's but, um, it opens us to communicate. Yeah. And the exclusive, it's amazing listening to them, you know, at that age, how, how, how early exclusivity comes in. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. So and how about been, friends? Have friends accepted the fact that you, or have you had to mm-hmm. leave friendships at all? No. Um, there have been, you know, 
it's hard to distinguish between what, you know, there was a whole set of friends that, that I, I kind of left when I separated from my husband. Um, and then, you know, starting this journey in non-monogamy kind of came right on the heels of that. So it's sort of hard to tell what's what, mm-hmm. but, uh, but there are even still a couple a few friends from my past life as a pair that, that still know me, interact with me and are, are, are okay with that. You know, um, they don't really get it, but they don't, um, you know, they haven't turned away. Um, it's been more, I haven't really faced a lot of blatant pushback from anybody um, that um, about it. How about at workplaces? Either of you talk about um, that at workplaces? Mm, that's interesting. I, I've said, I've told a few people, I have a couple different jobs now. <laughs> I'm doing the multi-job thing, but um, I've found a few people that I've, you know, told that to, and I've really mostly gotten, mostly gotten um, acceptance, right. you know, at least to my face. I don't know what happens, you know, Correct. Yeah. I don't know what happens, you know, other, but. And you're but, also not married. So you're not coming from a conventional so you're coming from already being free to kind of, so people mm-hmm. look at it as a different stage. And yeah, Josh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to live with uh, with someone. Do you still, you still with someone? How is that going with that? And Josh, you're living with somebody? Oh, I don't live with somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I live with B, and B had a whole journey. It was, it was, it was hard for her to see me struggle with uh, the, the, the pain of about, about Tammy, as you can imagine, she had some jealousy of her own, but she understands that I, I grow in talking with Tammy and that, in fact, um, the, the, the breakthroughs that I've made have, have positively affected not only areas that I've been stuck in my life, but also it's, it's positively affected my relationship with B. Um, I'm better about drawing boundaries. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm braver about talking about difficult things and standing up for myself. And I just feel inge- that the relationships, all of my relationships have well, improved because I've made the choice to not give up on Tammy. It's, it really has made and do you, a big is, difference. Is that your nesting partner at B still? Is that still how you call? Okay. Yes. And she's clear about that too. Yes. And with that or that life or, or chooses otherwise. You know, she is, she is, she, um, I think she would prefer, um, marriage and some of the structure of commitment, but she understands that I'm on, on this journey and she understands, and she's willing to take me as I am where I am. And that's part of the evolution. We keep talking about it and we keep evolving B and I, just like I keep evolving with Tammy. Going kind of back to how the relationship anarchy thing, when you've reading, you've done on that. I don't know if you've run into the relation that relationship anarchy smorgasbord or the relationship smorgasbord. Have you run into that? No. Google that. It's an interesting, it's, it's a way of, it's a graphic for how you, how you just take apart the different pieces of relationships and, and how you're deciding, negotiating which pieces of those you want to have. And I think it works with a lot of kinds of relationships, that's the part. I mean, you could use that smorgasbord for your relationships at work or your relationships. You know, it's not only, that's the whole point. It's like you're using a similar grid for, and, and just picking oh. different pieces, you know, what you want on the plate of this relationship and the plate can change in this relationship. Um, but I really feel like that had a big impact for, for Josh and how he, he and his partner, his B, um, navigated some of how his desires for the relationship had changed. And it was just gave a language, a very concrete language to talk about it for both of them. Am I right about that? 
Absolutely. And we'll send, you know, we'll send you the, uh, the, the links to resources um, mm-hmm. at the end and, and I'll send you the link for the relationships mortgage board. Should we talk about the app? Um, oh, sort of a, this has been a fun out, out, outworking of this whole thing. Well, yeah. So um, Tammy has a, an identical twin sister um, and she had this idea that uh, the, the, that the, the relationship and by the way, the search term is relationship anarchy smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. When, when that it would be a fascinating app for forming any kind of human connection, because really any kind she's of human married connection and involved. she's like she has a hard time. She wants to find good friends, but there's all these dating apps, and then there's Meetup for like stuff you want to do together. But as far as finding really good friendships and bonds, like she's like, where do you do that? How do you do that? So we got to talking about it, and I'm like, well, we should have an RA. You know, she have a relationship smorgasbord app and. And it just kind of took off from there. This matrix of different types of interactions that you can have, different types of relationships you can have, um, becomes, uh, it, it sort of lends itself naturally to an app, but it also lends itself naturally to any time you begin to form a relationship with somebody. Is this going to have... Yeah, to be intentional um, about what pieces you want in it from the get-go. Right. Or exactly. renegotiate one you're already in and decide which pieces you want to keep and which pieces you don't or what and be willing to, for things to shift at all times. I think that's one of, for me, the biggest thing that we have a hard time with. Um, and, and, and the idea that, that even friendships, and I love that you're bringing this up because friendships are essential to me. And I read this article once in the Atlantic, a really long but amazing article about, about a friend being central. And even when you meet somebody new, how do you introduce that? This person is really central to me. It's not like yeah, we don't even have words for it. Right? Because you're romantic, <laughs> you should be more. Whereas, no, I can't live without this friend. This is a person that is essential to my well-being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing how to communicate those, those, this is a really interesting thing for me. I'm, I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by it. That I thought you relationship like anarchy was only about romantic and sexual. And it was like anarchy. Like, I mean, I, you know, I saw a group and they're always kind of anarchists about fighting everything. It seems like the vocalization is really intense on the on that we can't, you know, make make somebody primary, don't make somebody first or second or prioritize. Like it's like, oh, he's so vocal in that it way. It sound very uh, reactionary. I guess. Yeah, right. it felt mm-hmm. a little reactionary, but I didn't do enough reading on it. So mm-hmm. my my bad. So thank you for this exposure. Well, this is the positive side of anarchy, which mm-hmm. usually is, is a synonym Change. to, uh, to uh, I guess, uh, a chaos. Uh, or, or uh, a disorder revolutionary yeah, change revolutionary the idea of trying change. to tear down I think it's like you can't sometimes you can't work with this you can't fix the system to make it work sometimes you have to make a new system and um you know how stridently you talk about i like to focus on making the new system and not focus so much on tearing down the old system but i mean sometimes they have to both happen but the piece of relationship anarchy that i like to fix on it that drew me was how do we create new systems that work better? Um, yeah. Beautiful. And, and, you've, and you've articulated it so well. So how has it helped you? I mean, even in friendships or other ways that you approach kind of making this, you know, coming into it without assumptions and, and openness. It's just so interesting. I'll throw, I'll throw down right away. So okay. there's, there's, there's nine tenets. There's nine points of relationship anarchy. And the first one is that love is abundant. And that every relationship is unique. And, um, and so that was in, the love is abundant part was there was this for me in connection with the 
Tammy and jealousy was the, was this moment where, um, um, I really wanted Tammy to have a full life in her new home. And she asked me, you know, are you sure that I should click on this profile about Andy? We were in the car together. And I said, yes. I said, I want you to have a full and rich life. I had no idea. I remember asking that question. <laughs> I had no idea that Andy would, Andy and Tammy were going to be so combustible and communicate so well. And I probably would have thought twice if I had known. But what I really wanted was Tammy's happiness. And, and, um, and so that really is, that's a relationship energy tenant, this idea that um, you don't own somebody, everybody's their own free agent, and that, that love is abundant. Um, and that uh, the point too is love and respect instead of entitlement. So I wasn't going to stand on hierarchy and say, no, I was first and, and you love me best and you have to put me first. I didn't say that. And, and, uh, I'm really glad that I didn't cause I would have lost, but, but more than just that, it's also, um, it's, it's, it's a different way of seeing, um, to say these things are valuable and important. I'm living with B. B and I share a big portion of life. And yet things that, things that Josh and I couldn't share. Because of the 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 um the smorgasbord aspect, which is the ninth tenet of relationship anarchy, this customize your commitments. Um, it is completely rational and normal within that framework to say B and I have all of these attributes. And Tammy and I have these and these attributes and they're not mutually exclusive. I, I do those some of them overlap and there's lots of overlap and that's, but that, that it's, it's okay. And it's natural and you don't have to justify it. And it's not, it, it creates a, a language for, for uh, me to have one very rich and full relationship with B and another very rich and full relationship with T, even though, one of them I cook meals with and the other I almost never cook meals. You know, all of these differences. Um, when, when did you move in with B? actually? Was that? Five years ago. Oh. She's actually the one who sort of led me to uh, undertake polyamory um, as, a, as an idea. She, she was polyamorous, is polyamorous, um, and, uh, and gave me the freedom to try it out. She, said, well, she didn't want to be on the interview, though. <laughs> no, she didn't. She's very well, that's okay. So you you seem to come a long way. You have grown each personally. Your relationship have grown and deepened and had a lot more meaningful initially when we first communicated. Of yeah. course, now we are uh, post-pandemic, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and you attribute hopefully. that. Hopefully. What? Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and, you know, the, you, you've come, did a quantum leap from where you were before and, and you know, just seeing that, progression uh, from now till then. Now, my question is, besides doing that personal growth, if, if there's any other people that are in the same position that you are, what would you recommend to them to do? Uh, how, how would they get to a level of understanding and uh, awareness of where they are so well that you two are? What, what would you tell some people? I mean, I know it's a tough question, but you know, a big question. trying to share your knowledge with some other people. I mean, if anybody, because every, every situation is different, every relationship is different, but there might be some some kind of a thing. I mean, it's also hard to be proactive rather than look, you know, Tammy moved and it created a new 
reality. So sometimes we only react to a new reality. And I, but Very I think well, I think yeah, the I fact think. that you read Polysecure and that reading books that have to do with understanding, I don't know if there is a relationship anarchy book, but if anyone is interested in in kind of redefining and shaking things up, it sounds like that's the place to start. If if things are the way they are, the status quo is not really working for you mm-hmm. in a, or you're looking towards what is my next chapter and how can I shake it up a little if we're just... Would many people are just live lives of was it quiet desperation that Thoreau said, and and so we can't. If you're living a life of quiet desperation, you're not going to change anyway. Or, or, or maybe, so or maybe it's just uh, Winston Churchill: never give up. Uh, maybe that is. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I would say if 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 you want um, if you want emotional intimacy, open yourself up, um, be vulnerable, and allow other people in. Uh, even if it feels dangerous. Um, and also uh, let go of your preconceptions about what a relationship has to be. The, one of the really painful things for me was taking sex out of its primacy place in my relationship with Tammy. And I'm very sexual. I have a lot of sexual feelings for Tammy. I, I, uh, um, and, and what I had to make a decision that that I was going to let that not be the driver. I was going to put the emotional things first, simply because 700 miles is 700 miles. I just can't get there very often. And, and, and to me that at first felt like it wasn't a real relationship. Like I was, it was, it was a shadow of a relationship because it didn't have as much sex. And I had to accept the fact that, that real relationships come in different shapes and sizes and they have different amounts of sex. So I had to expand my definition of love. That, that is, that is the exact essence of what I was looking for, for, and, and thank you for, for being able to articulate it so well to, to me personally and to our audience. And love. Good. Terry, did you want to say you wanted to add to that? Oh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of how to say it. it. I've noticed this in across a lot of different relationships and people I've talked to. So sort of no matter where you're at, that really learning to tap into what is it that I really want and need and learning to express that, even if it's Two days after you felt like it takes you two days to figure out what it is you really felt in a situation to, to go ahead and be authentic and say, hey, that thing that happened to two days ago or two weeks ago or whatever, I was felt I felt this way about it. I think anytime we learn to stand in our own truth, that's what moves us towards what it, wherever we're at. That's what moves us towards um more fulfilling relationships and more fulfilling anything because we're tapping in and we're standing up for, or, or, you know, showing up, I should say, showing up for, um, for who we really are, you know, and that's how we kind of learn. That would be my. That's, and that's, we had an interview about our boundaries. We don't know them and we don't know our emotional capacity until we open it. Until you open it. So the fact that you're you're helping people stretch that is so wonderful. And what I wanted to say is that I even feel the romance when I meet a new friend, a woman that I'm not having an attraction to, I think the fact that, that too often people stay in the relationships they've been all their lives in their communities and they don't expand because they're not comfortable 
going to something that you're curious about is a great first step, regardless of of sex or relationship. But mm-hmm. that relationships do enhance our lives because the quality of our relationship does determine the quality of our lives. Mm-hmm. So opening that door of emotion to say, how can I experience a new a new part of myself? Yes, and that's mm-hmm. that's what people I we hope will be proactive about. And yet it's much easier sometimes just to stay comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, comfortably numb. So I love mm-hmm. how uncomfortably not numb you are. <laughs> it's uncomfortably not numb, yes. Well, <laughs> moving forward, I mean, you know, we would love to talk to you about a year from now and see exactly where you are because we're not kind of like documenting the evolution of Josh and Tammy relationship and personal growth and, you know, the the aspiration of, of becoming you know, uh, vulnerable and whole with yourself is, is just fascinating to me. And, and I, the fact that we are, can document it is, is really uh, very important and very valuable. And I wanted to know, where do you see yourself in this relationship develop a year from now? Have you ever thought about it or are you just taking it a week at a time or a day at a time? think about it i i'm not i'm not a goal per person i'm not talk, <laughs> I'm talking about being attached goal. to a specific outcome of future. right yeah I, I i you know it's just hard for me not to imagine him not being in my life in in some capacity and i and i feel like you know i would go to therapy to to, to save this relationship if, <laughs> therapy it, ever, worthy, if yeah. it ever needs yeah. it right is it therapy um, worthy yeah okay. yes it's a therapy worthy <laughs> aka from the sponge worthy if people don't know about the elaine and jane seinfeld is the sponge worthy thing right (laughs) is a relationship worthy is a therapy worthy it's a therapy worthy yeah i'm in i uh i feel like i get so much out of this relationship i learned so much about myself and um and and you continue to and and more than that it it generates this wonderful closeness with tammy that is irrespective of distance. And I can't imagine not having that in my life. How often do you check in? Is it like, you know, that you're going to see a certain times every day? How does it work? We we have a weekly night that we talk several hours. A video chat. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then we also have um, additional catches, catch can often while driving or taking a text a lot. We have these little, you know, commute conversations in the car. So when was the last time you have uh, seen each other? It was in April. August. No, April. Just I'm sorry, I'm the wrong. Yeah, August is here. April is in, in yeah. No, no, but I've been down there since August. I was down there You're in right. January. You're right, I'm sorry. A I was months? down there in January. I can't, we, we, <laughs> I can't do A's. We seem to be about three or four times a year. Yeah, a year. yeah. And I, was, and I was just up in New... No, it was in New Jersey. I was that just was up in New Jersey. That was April. That was April, right? Okay. We're so bad. <laughs> You're so bad. This, I'm so bad. Okay. Yeah, I'm bad. I am. I'm Calendar You guys are amazing. And your, your relationship are explanatory of what's possible and where can people invest and grow. And, and you know, as you're saying, it's you will fight for this relationship. You will mm-hmm. fight to maintain it. And you will fight for having each other in their in each own life so that is for me it's just uh so fabulous and 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 it's a big privilege to see and and a witness for that matter absolutely thank you so much for just deconstructing you know this the the programming we have in our brains you guys did it in such art with such articulate words at the first episode 
and we which we had a lot of a lot of listener to to eroticize your jealousy. I'm sure the I'm sure that title didn't hurt. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure what we're calling this one, but I do. I mean, the the idea of relationship anarchy coming into what is relationship and is it re, is relationship anarchy for you is a really like the the word sometimes can be a, a put off. So you do wonder yeah. mm-hmm. how people can embrace the deconstruction. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you've done this all. I mean, you view Josh in, in a being in an open nester stage, and you, Tammy, in a, in a stage where you're you're halfway, you're three, three most away, and it's it's a little more because my my youngest lives with his dad, so I have a little more. It's it's like a yeah. yeah so, so I'm, you, I'm like four fifths of the way there. <laughs> yeah, so like for three legs out. So, yeah, three legs out. Yeah, so so you know. You've done it in the open nesting stage, and here you are, and you're doing it, and you are uh, a proof that long-distance relationship uh, worth fighting for and maintaining, and I salute you for that. Kudos. Thank you both so, so much for your time today. Well, thank you all for doing this podcast, and I'm going to get more episodes in. I've enjoyed several of them. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you very much. Well, now, now that you're out and you're out with your names, you can share it with people. <laughs> I can share it with people. I certainly can. Look, at, at, at times where we go somewhere and we say we're polyamorous and people look at us and that's crooked eyes, like the wink, wink, you're serious. So yeah, you can hear our real story on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are, you are an exemplary of people that, uh, uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, and you're not just. Um, just well, maybe next it. year when you talk to us, we'll be in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we will make sure to check in with you again. Uh, probably we'll be at episode episode one twenty one nineteen. Who knows? But uh, God willing, give us all health so mm. we can witness those times. Yes. So thank yeah. you very much Good again. And, thank you. Uh, thank we'll you. In touch. Thank Bye-bye. you both. <laughs> bye. Before we summarize this amazing episode with Josh and Tammy, here's a taste of next week's incredible woman, Malaika Malvina Darville, who is the queen of the five elements dance. So I, I, I can just remember standing there in my once was home. The removalist truck had just come and taken everything away. And I was just standing there alone. And I felt like so naked, like stripped raw of everything that I want, you know, all the false identification. It was, it was a good, it was a good thing in some respects, but it certainly did not feel comfortable or good at the time. Uh, you know, just all the false identification, mother, wife, uh, we shared our business together and he took the business, um, uh, community person. Like I was quite a big person in the community. I had started the conscious dance movement in, in Byron Bay in Australia. And so, you know, all these, things that I had been identified with and suddenly I was just stripped naked just standing there like oh my god who am I and what the heck am I doing here so that's uh you know we've been in open relationship and not ethical non-monogamy for a while now and every time where people say I'm coming out uh, to my children I'm coming out to my friends my family my co-workers and I'm just kind of thinking about you know when would it be the day that People don't have to come out of the closet and, right. and, and, and kind of defend themselves for living in a lifestyle that other people have a judgment or not approved. And they have done it. They have, they have come out and to, to their coworkers, their families, 
in their living uh, authentic life. And, and I really respect that and appreciate it. It does feel so good to be living our own truth, even if it's not a comfortable truth for the majority of, of society. And I think yeah. it's changing. I mean, I know our millennial kids are changing that. And this idea of relationship anarchy, which I didn't quite, I really didn't understand, is that we're, you know, it is, as Tammy said, egalitarian. It doesn't, pro- doesn't prioritize that romantic relationship is everything. And it's just showing, showing us again how, from what I understand from younger generations as well, you can be an asexual person and you can, I mean, that's what LBGTQA is, is that we are starting to realize that we, we can, by opening new labels, we can open the ideas that things don't have to be what they were. Uh, but getting to where they are, which is really the optimum, really took some efforts and some pain. Uh, as, as Josh said, I mean, he had to sit with that, with that hurt, with that feeling, uh, the, the pain, and knowing uh, that he's vulnerable and he's open. And that takes time and that takes also effort. And that is the effort. You've got to kind of like work at it so you can benefit from that uh, emotional maturity. And those two are truly kudos to them. They are mature emotionally and they are living, uh, they lived in discomfort in order to get to where they are. And I, res- I respect that. I respect that a lot. And this, they made a choice to go through it and uh, to live in that uh, anarchy, so to speak. And and it's, it's, it's labeled anarchy, but I, I love that the first tenet of it is that love is abundant. And you know, as you know, I just came back from an incredible retreat that was called Calling in Love, that they'll do another one of in August, in Colombia, where it wasn't just a plant medicine retreat, but it opened up our ego and our love in a way that... What I want to explain is that what I saw people go through and witness the pain, like you were saying, and what Josh talks about, is that that's the only way is through it, is through the pain for us to find our authentic truth and love for ourselves first in order to be witnessed by another. And that's the beauty of discussing relationship in such a rich, rich way. It becomes something more complex and nuanced and not something that we put labels in black and white on. And so much of our world makes everything so binary, black and white. And this is so much more color. And, and that's why I thank you, Josh and Tammy. For yeah, this and, and the anarchy is really taking, taking the entire relationship, the multiple relationship apart in so many uh, layers. But look, I, I'm going back to Josh emotional state and he has actually had to uh, develop his own tools or its own mechanism how to deal with uh, the jealousy and he couldn't uh, (laughs) like he did in the first episode we had he couldn't eroticize the jealousy and he had to kind of de-emphasize the sexual component of those relationships in order to be able to live in that discomfort and you know, that takes a lot of maturity. That takes a lot of understanding and knowing who you are. And that is not easy to come so by. So much, so rich. And, you know, the idea that we feel entitled about 
our relationships and our marriages especially or with our kids is such a such a tenant of our society and they're breaking they're showing us how they're learning to break that apart and I learn in the process of listening absolutely I, I've learned and we are the pure beneficiary I mean they are the first beneficiaries of this uh, adult maturity uh, being uh, in such an emotional comfort level uh, between their relationship and their multiple relationship. So yes, I certainly have learned from that a lot, and I hope that it will uh, assist many of our listeners that are really thinking about uh, this type of a lifestyle. It's not for everybody, but for those who think about it, it is truly, truly uh, a great educational episode to learn from. Amen. So meanwhile, if you like this episode or others, you can always, always go to our website, theopennesters.com. That's the in the beginning, double N in the middle, S at the end, theopennesters.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. And let us know if there's anybody that you know that has something of value to share for our audience. And of course, we have... Tessa, our Facebook. Please join us on our on our Instagram, especially. It's growing, and I thank you for helping our community grow and sharing. Thank you for sharing. I'm putting my face out there on video a lot more these days, so I really appreciate. It. And I would love I would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you on our Facebook close page. So just go to the Open Nesters at all those places. And again, thank you, all of you, the audience, for making us such a popular and relevant podcast to so many. So till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.